Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. If you're looking to throw some optics on your turkey gun this spring, look no further than the Vortex Defender ST. This is the red dot we're going to be running this season. We're excited about it. This thing's built like a tank, super lightweight, super long battery life, everything you need in a good turkey red dot. And if you want to get a discount on that red dot or any other Vortex Optic, go to eurooptic.com and use the code SGN10 to get a discount. That's eurooptic.com, code SGN10. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the EcoWild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar. May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you. And we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And 
What is up, everybody? Coming at you again for another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. And I probably sound pretty upbeat right now because I just had the greatest weekend ever. Because we, me and Jacob, just hunted for the first time this year. We were sitting in a tree stand, sweating profusely, but it was awesome because we were deer hunting. Jacob, what do you think about this weekend, man? Well, afterwards, it, it was it was good looking back at it. Sitting in some of those stands with, especially today, this afternoon, heat index of 105, uh, air temperature 95, and about 85% humidity. Ooh, I don't know, oh, man. It just it builds character. Yeah, totally, totally. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it definitely uh, made me change my outlook on early, early season bow hunting. But, dude, it, it was fun. It was cool. I mean... Just to be able to go out there and have experience hunting deer in August. I mean, that is that is something that uh, I never really thought I would ever do for whitetails unless I maybe went to South, South Carolina uh, or something like that. So it, it, it definitely was a game changer, dude. I mean, had a blast, and I know uh, you had a blast too. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, we, we had some really big deer on camera, which was pretty exciting. We saw some does, saw some other wildlife. Never had that big buck come by us. Well, we had that one deer come by us, that, but we don't know what it was. But let's just say it was a buck so I can sleep good at night. <laughs> but, yeah, man, it was fun. I mean, the, the heat was interesting, to say the least. I mean, I've never hunted in anything like that, but, I mean, it's just part of it, dude. I mean, for me, it's it's kind of like just being super cold. It's just really uncomfortable, but... I look back on it fondly. <laughs> I enjoy it. Uh, you got you got to embrace the suck, man. Yeah, you have to embrace the suck, and that's the truth, absolute truth. Uh, and like Jordan Barnes would say, there was a lot of sweat equity that we put into this hunt because we were drenched every Dude. day. Oh my god! So so we have to we have to do okay. But okay, wait. Before I get into that, today we're interviewing a guy who's a better hunter than us, like most people are. <laughs> um, this guy. Um, Basic. Long story short, because uh, we got a whole episode on it, he got permission on two two and a half acre parcels totaling five acres that joined together uh, about a month ago. Dude ends up shooting a one sixty class buck in velvet um, Saturday morning, I think it was. Mm-hmm. So me and Jacob saw that. Um, I think on our lunch break or something on Saturday, and we're like, man, we got to talk to that guy. So we had him hop on, uh, get on the podcast, talk about a little bit about his hunt. You know, how he found the spot, he's hunting a kind of suburban area, how he got permission, and then really, the the in the beginning, we talk about the hunt and how everything went, how he found the buck, and then we kind of get into some more general tactics on how he gets permission, um, small property hunting in general, uh, and also, we covered some pretty interesting topics about what how this buck was basically living in the suburban area, like where he was bedding, where he was moving, and and some of the things that Zach did to have success that day. So it ended up being a really entertaining episode for me, at least. And I honestly, I learned quite a bit from it because I I'm I don't think I've ever knocked on a door and asked for permission just because I I just am not that interested in it. It's not I don't know. It's just not for me. Maybe I know a lot of people like it, but man, I don't know. Well, I learned a lot though, and he piqued my interest, and now I'm I'm like kind of wanting to go knock on some doors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, this definitely is going to be an episode all about urban bow hunting. 
that's something that Zach, uh, Zach Marcus, our interviewer, our interviewee, uh, that's something that I would say he kind of specialed in uh, in the last year or two since he's moved to Nashville. Uh, so he, he definitely has some experience doing it. He's had really good success on getting properties and me and him really hit it off with that. Cause I've had a little bit of experience, uh, doing urban bow hunting back home in Alabama. And, uh, since I, we got up here in Tennessee, I've actually, where we were hunting, uh, this weekend was classified as uh, urban area. Uh, it's 42 acres, but, uh, definitely is in an urban zone. Uh, and no doubt about that, but we really hit it off and really kind of talked uh, a little bit of tactics on how to, first of all, get permission using Onyx uh, to really make it happen. Because that's one thing that he you know lives and dies by is his Onyx uh, app. So kind of how he uses that, how he goes about finding these properties, how he goes about asking permission to get on these properties, and genuinely be able to have success. Uh, he, he We were talking to him a little bit about on the episode about you know his hunt and everything, and he was passing up bucks. Uh, on Friday morning that I would have freaking been tickled to death to kill, you know, 125, 130-inch bucks that he wanted to wait another year on them because he thought they were, you know, three and a half years old or so, and he knew this big deer was around and he was able to make it happen. So that was awesome. I mean, again, I love talking to someone else that's, you know, kind of into urban bow hunting because it, it really is someone, uh, you have to be, to me, you have to have a certain personality to really be able to do that, at least be able to get permission uh, and be really have a uh, high success getting permission. And it seems like uh, Zach definitely has that, and he's got you know the proof uh, to you know what can happen on very 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 small properties. But Andrew, uh, you know I think we talked enough about him. But let's, let's talk a little bit more about our hunt this weekend. But before we jump to that, Andrew, let's do a let's do a little round uh, round table on what what are you sipping on tonight, sir? Uh, Jack Daniel's single barrel. Very nice, very nice. I have a beer from montana that our buddy colton brought back for me when he was coming back from washington state the brewery is called moose drool okay and it's a moose drool brown ale brewery are they oh wait no never mind yeah you're right i'm (laughs) i think at one point this weekend someone was like yeah i got this beer from the distillery i'm like are you sure you got beer from a distillery but whatever this i'm trying to be a smart aleck (laughs) and it didn't work (laughs) <laughs> very nice Everybody, go wait, on sir way to ruin it but anyways it's called moose drool and uh <laughs> definitely mean, that's legit what it is I'll, we'll send a picture we'll show you all a picture actually i, I lied the beer is called moose drool it's actually big skies brewery company out of uh, missoula montana it's pretty awesome uh definitely an interesting beer i, I say to, to the least a little sweet for my taste but very good so uh glad we hit on that and then uh, let's talk a little bit more about this weekend. Uh, yeah, man, you you deserve that beer after today. Man, we worked hard this weekend, dude. I mean, it, it was some hard hunting for sure. Yeah, it was a uh, definitely definitely a hard hunt. Um, this one thing is this past week, guys. Uh, you know, I had one trail camera out on this property um, that I kind of narrowed down. I had a couple trail cameras on the property, and this one camera started getting a little more activity and everything else. Got one picture of or I should say video, had on video setting. One video of this really gnarly looking buck, which again, guys, if you follow us on Instagram and Facebook, you probably saw the video of the buck. Just had his main beans went, you know, out top of his skull, went straight back and then swooped up. And uh, just just a gnarly looking deer. And that kind of had me focus on that spot, which is down along this creek, which again, guys, if you check out our YouTube channel, uh, be sure to check that out because we have 
all three days of the hunts going to be uh, posted up on that. And you can kind of see more detail, kind of where we were hunting and the whole situation with everything. But You can learn how to not go about doing the Tennessee velvet hunt. Well, that too. I mean, for sure. Uh, <laughs> you know, if we're being 100% honest, uh, definitely if we could have changed anything, I would have put, when I get permission to hunt this property back in May, I would have put my whole effort. I probably would have even scouted public land, dude, or maybe just a little bit. But I would have had eight cameras running on this private parcel until I found these bucks, and then I had these suckers patterned, especially over mineral sites. Uh, that was something that I should have done early on in the summer. I really didn't do, uh, which I think really kind of you know hurt our chances of being able to kind of pattern these bucks and get opportunities at them. But yeah, yeah, but but see, if if you had spent all of your your trail camera equity and all of your time on this parcel then regular season would roll around and you'd be pissed at yourself because you didn't you didn't go out to any management areas you'd be like man i'm so behind i don't have any spots on the public land yeah you know you're you're right you're right so i mean i guess it did work out because i was able to find quite a few really good bucks on public land uh so that does have me high hopes for that but uh, this past week guys we had a really big cold front come through um this high pressure pushed in I mean, highs up here in Nashville were 78 to 80 degrees for about three or four days. And during that time, you know, I had my camera out there soaking. And I went and checked it right at the tail end of that, that cold front. And went out there and checked it, which was on a Wednesday, I believe. And I had videos of a couple different bucks, uh, all very, very, very good-looking deer. Uh, all of them looked to be, you know, at least probably three and a half years old or older uh, one definitely, which was a, a, a short time, eight point, definitely looked to be, you know, a solid mature buck. Uh, but then we had a video of this little bachelor group that came through and this absolute stud of a deer was on camera. And it really got me thinking about, you know, what the opportunity was on this property. Cause I went on this property, not knowing anything about it. This property has, oh man, I mean, you could count, you could walk around and count all the trees on the property and uh, probably not, you know, tie yourself out doing that. Uh, it is pretty much a old cattle farm uh, that has been abandoned, as in, you know, just taking the cattle off. So, you know, all the fields are kind of grown up, you know, mix of CRP and briars and, you know, all kinds of stuff. CRP isn't a plant. It's the type of vegetable. I don't care. Anyways. Anyway. <laughs> no, dude. No, for real, though. Like, for the longest time, like, growing up in Alabama, we don't, like, really have CRP. And so I'd hear it on like podcasts and TV shows. I'm like, what is CRP? It took me forever to figure out. It's like it's a it's a program the government does uh, for farmers. Like if they have like a like a less fertile field, they can convert it to CRP, which is basically the habitat that we were hunting. It's just kind of native grasses, yeah, briars, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And and they get paid to do that by the government uh, as wildlife habitat. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's definitely what this place is. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like straight, like by, by all means, it's like pretty much CRP. Mainly it's um, a lot of ironweed, uh, like several different kinds, like bunch grasses, a lot of briars, you know, blackberries, a couple honey locusts out there. And then you, you have a lot of stuff the deer were, were browsing on heavy. I mean, it's like a giant food plot, basically. Uh, a lot of poke salad, great deer food, a lot of ragweed. Um, may pops or passion fruit the same thing uh geez what else i mean a couple oaks and then uh, just various other natural browse out there for the deer and it was hit hard man there's a lot of browse pressure on that place 
Yeah, that was one thing that's pretty cool because, you know, everyone always says, you know, I mean, you got to have a food plot. And, yes, there's a couple spots on that that would make awesome little kill plots, you know, quarter-acre plots, eighth-acre plots. But, um, you know, the deer were just hitting that natural forage. I mean, there's so many native species on that property that the deer were just wearing out, uh, which, again, is going to be super beneficial, especially come, I'm telling you, come November, dude, this is going to be an awesome rut property. Uh, just the way it lays out, it, it just sets up perfectly for it. But... Uh, you know, after we got all these videos of all these different bucks on camera, you know, I had my hopes very, very high for the hunt on Friday. Uh, took off work Friday, hunted that morning and that evening. Uh, that morning I was going solo. Andrew was not going to be able to make it out. Um, but, you know, it was definitely one of those things that got out there, had it hung my stand the day before. Um, so all I had to do was carry the camera and camera arm, all that kind of stuff in my bow. Get up in the stand, got up, and I was sitting down on the creek. And the thing was... I was sitting probably, you know, 30, 40 yards from the camera, if that. And, uh, you know, I was expecting some deer movement to come through there, and I did not see a single deer that morning, which kind of, you know, kind of cooled off my mood that I was in because I was, you know, super fired up for this hunt. And I was just kind of confused on the whole situation. And one thing I kind of noticed is the, the thermals down there were pretty interesting. And I know, guys, if you watch the YouTube channel, you hear us talk about this, and we kind of describe it and show you. But the way the property sets up, you know, this creek runs pretty much east to west. You know, there's timber down the creek, and then the uh, adjacent property to the south has a bunch of timber as well. And what happened would, or what would happen that morning, and actually the rest of this weekend, was when the sun would either come out, you know, it would rise up, or just come out of the uh, clouds if it was overcast, and heat up the, the hillside to the north, it would literally draw the air off the top of these ridges to the south, and then suck up the valley and up the ridge where it's all pretty much pasture up to the north and it was just like a vacuum and you know it was pretty fascinating instant dude it was it was like instant like that you would the clouds would part and it would it would shine on that field and instantly you could feel those thermals like hard pulling up that hill and we were dropping milkweed and it was getting sucked right up into the middle of that uh, like crp type habitat and then you know the clouds came back and as soon as those clouds came back, we had that milkweed coming back by us. It had floated all the way up there and then made its way back down to us all within, you know, a couple minutes. I mean, it, the the thermal switches were almost instant. It, it was very, very interesting to see. Mm -hmm, exactly. And it was, it's one of those things that, again, it, if someone would have told me that before I got there, I would have believed them. So it definitely, you know, had to see it to believe that. But, you know, that morning was definitely, you know, kind of disappointing and then you know we had you come out and uh i know you were super excited after sending you the videos of all those bucks and everything i know you were pretty pretty Dude, I was jacked i was ready yeah andrew andrew's like i swear to god actually uh, we got a group text with uh, me andrew uh parker mcdonald uh, or parker mcdonald from southern ground and then michael pike and uh, I sent them pictures of the video or videos of the bucks, and they all said that if I shot that buck that morning, that they all got to punch me in the face. And I'm like, agreed. But uh, yeah, and, and I and I said that if you shot him, I get to punch you in the face and steal your debit card. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> oh man, oh man. But uh, let's just say we don't have we didn't have to worry about that. But but hey, whoa 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 whoa. We I think Parker said. That if you also if you didn't shoot it, we get to punch you. So I mean, you got it coming next time we all get together, man. You you got it. You got you you better be getting ready. Oh man! All right. You might want to go buy some like some boxing gloves, 
for everybody to give to us because if not i mean it's gonna be rough we might hurt our hands or something (laughs) (laughs) appreciate that i appreciate that guys (laughs) just looking out for you buddy Uh uh-huh exactly no but um you know well andrew you kind of talk about a little bit you know, you coming up kind of like what your expectation was of the property since you haven't really seen it. You've only seen, you know, sitting in on Onyx and, you know, just aerial photos. Uh, so as soon as I got there, I, I beat you to the place. So my first priority was to drive around the the property as much as I could just to see what was around it. Because, I mean, being 42 acres and being in kind of a suburban area, I figured that it, the obviously the deer aren't like living on that parcel like they might bet on it they might feed on it maybe a little bit of both but they definitely weren't living on it so i just kind of wanted to better understand that so i did a loop around the thing went to a little subdivision that adjoins it and they got some new development going on back there and i stopped in a cul-de-sac and kind of walked up on top of the property that the butts right up against the back side of that cul-de-sac where there's no houses yet got a good look at the property saw what the habitat was like and also found a big giant trail coming out of the property and the thick stuff going into that cul-de-sac like leading into the neighborhood which is pretty interesting there's a that new development where they're building houses there's a lot of ragweed and stuff up there that the the deer were browsing on so that was that was pretty interesting to see them traveling that heavily into a neighborhood that's just kind of weird you know i don't see that too often i've never been like an urban hunter like you have, but, uh, I don't know, man, my expectations were, I'd say realistic. Um, I knew that it, it would be difficult not, you know, being that you've never hunted that property. I've never stepped foot on it. And it was definitely going to take some figuring out being there was only one camera running in one spot over the last, you know, however many days you've had it running. And we got pictures of bucks, but we had just a tiny sliver of that property and what was going on. And uh, now looking back, we definitely made the mistake of hunting where we wanted the deer to be rather than where mm-hmm. they actually were yep. big time, which we corrected and we definitely got closer to the deer movement. But it was, in my opinion, probably just a, a little too late. You know, like we, we moved over there yesterday afternoon. You hunted it this afternoon, so that's two sits. We did have a deer within bow range, but it was across the property line, and uh, you really could hardly see it with all the foliage. But, I mean, it's definitely the right spot. I just wish that we had been up there the uh, Friday afternoon. No, okay. Listen, you say it's the right spot. I almost died in that tree today, so I don't know, man. Okay, yeah, we, we, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's, so... Let's talk at, about that. At the beginning, I was before I got into like our main interview we got coming up, I was going to say, we have to talk about, like, the stupid tree, which is what we were calling it when we were there. This tree was was planted by Satan himself <laughs> to, to wreak havoc, havoc on our velvet hunt, dude. It was, it, that, that tree, I was up there hanging the sticks, or hanging, like, the, the screwing steps and the stick and everything. And it looked like it was raining because I was sweating so much trying to get into that thing. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about that. So, guys, which you really need to watch our YouTube video on this or videos on this, so you can really get a better idea of where we were and what the kind of the placement. And look at the tree. So this tree is a huge hickory, okay. And if I had again, Jared Lone Wolf, listen, we got we got to come out with factory made eight foot straps. Six foot ain't gonna cut it no more. Yes, sir. We need eight foot straps, Jared. You will hear me call you on Monday. Just gonna let you know. But uh, <laughs> gotta gotta call you anyways. But 
it the stain with the tree was so big you know you get the strap around it and you still needed you know 10 15 inches more strap just to be able to get it on there and still that would have been at the minimum uh like bare like still too short for you to really yeah, climb it's a big it. fat tree yeah so we decided to go get some screwing steps. We went Ranta Academy, which guys, that was actually pretty entertaining. Again, watch the YouTube video for that. Uh, yeah, Jacob brings his big camera into Academy, and everyone's giving him the eye. Like, what's this guy doing? Dude, it, it was it was pretty entertaining. I'm not gonna lie, dude. Everyone wanted to talk to me when I had the big camera. But uh, anyways, we came back, put the screwing steps in the tree, and really, we should have bought like ten of them. I bought seven, which was fine. Cause it got us up high enough. Cause like what happened guys, this tree is so big around, but it had these two big split trunks and the split trunks were going up with the size of like a lot of the big trees I climb with my normal lone wolf setup. So, you know, they were solid. I mean, this is a giant tree. Uh, but the reason why we sat in this spot was because it was on the edge of this little ridge, uh, looking over. Really, really. It was almost on a bench. I, w- I would say, um, like it's a very slight bench halfway up the hill. There's, there's like a small tree line and a spring right there running east to west. And you got really, really thick stuff south of you, which is like in between you and the creek. And then north of you, which is uphill, you've got just a lot of briars. And it's totally, pretty much totally blocked off by barbed wire, or not barbed wire fences, but like cattle fences and stuff. Very few places that it looks like the deer crossing. There's In one place, there's a hole in the fence that the deer are definitely coming through. And then in another place, there's a, uh, the top of the fence is knocked down and they're coming through right there. But uh, definitely an interesting spot because the hill goes up and kind of levels off a little bit and then starts going back up. It's a very slight bench, but it's where those does worked that we saw on Friday night. So we figured it might be a good spot. And plus um, where the trees come together uh with the property like they run east to west and on the easternmost border there, it's almost like a little access road on the side of the property if it, if it had been cut because there's a gap in the trees right there that you could kind of drive through it's not thick or anything and the deer are working that pretty heavy and there's a pretty there's a good many scrapes up there uh, a lot of brows like really really heavy brows found a couple beds right on the property line but yeah i mean we we definitely thought that it was the spot and I still think it is the spot. Um, I'm, I'm sure, I'm absolutely sure you're going to kill something out of that or have a chance at killing something out dude, of that later in the year. Dude, I, I don't know about that tree, though. Like, this, guys, this tree... I got, like listen, I said, man, it was made by Satan. Listen. Satan planted that tree. Oh, uh, guys, I, I've climbed some sketchy trees in the past, like, I, like with screwing steps. Because, like, when you got to go, like, I've never really had a sketchy tree where I had to use sticks because, you know, it's not that bad with the sticks. But when you have to use screwing steps... And the tree is just that massive, and it's got these big, like a big knot right below the split that you have to like climb over the knot. Oh my god, dude! I mean, like it, mm, it was bad. It was really, really bad. Definitely not a good idea. Andrew thinks I need to sit in that tree. I say I'd rather put a telephone pole next to it and sit in a freaking telephone pole. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it, it's in the right spot. There's a huge oak tree right next to it that's absolutely loaded, which. Andrew's the bot, the botanist or whatever over here that knows all about plants. I don't don't know much Chicken about it. Oak. Chick, whatever, man. It's it's oak tree covered in acorns and a freaking raccoon was up in it and he got slocked, as Tim Wells would say. <laughs> um, but it, it, it's one of those things that it's the right location. There's a sketchy tree that I 
had a very sketchy situation today getting out of it, as I say that. Um, you know it's a bad treat when you text your buddies, one that's not even in the state of Tennessee, that, hey, if, I'm not, if I don't text y'all back by certain time, y'all might want to come start looking for me. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, that, that tree needs some work before regular season comes, and we're going to have to put a safe line in it. That, and, dude, even with, I mean, a safe line, yeah, I mean, that would be awesome. But, like, I would, even with the Prusit knot, dude, I would, like, I mean, you're still attached to it, but I would, like, be, like, still sketch out trying to hold on because the tree's so wide, guys. If you hold on with one hand onto one of the steps, your body, like, still kind of, like, wants to pull away from the tree. So, like, if you got to go one-handed to try to slide that Prusa knot up, oh, I don't know how that's going to work. You might you might be hanging in, like, a pinata for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, anyways, it, it's it's definitely going to need some work and try to maybe add some more steps to it or something. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what we've got to do. But nothing but those steps. Not a big fan of screwing steps just because uh, that's a good way to get gutted if, uh, for some reason, you fail and you weren't using a lifeline. Uh, also, guys, the tree is so big. We had to combine our life, or we had to combine our linesman belts together just to go around the base of the tree. Uh, so, so that was another interesting thing. I've never had to do that before. So we had, oh man, what is that? Probably ten feet, maybe twelve feet of linesman belt together just to get around the base of the tree. So that kind of gives you an idea how big that tree was. Um, but anyways, yeah, dude. But when it's the spot, man. But. Um... We're running pretty long with this intro, so I guess we'll we'll cut it out and toss it over to the main thing. But before we do, uh, what, in your opinion, man, what is one of the main things that led to us not being successful? Not putting enough time on the property. I, I've said that constantly this whole weekend while we were filming. I should have personally, second I got permission on, on this property in May, I should have had all my cameras on this property and this will at least let them soak, okay, and that and put out a couple of mineral sites just to get a better idea of how the deer work in the property. But another thing that really kind of hurt us, like in all honesty, dude, it was the, the warm front. We had a very hot, a very big warm front that came through right after this cold front where temperatures went from being in the highs, you know, upper 70s to low 80s to up in the 90s. And uh, that, I think, really did kill the deer movement for sure. But also, I'm sure us hiking in there, multiple times a day moving stuff around on a small property like that probably didn't help out a whole bunch either um yeah you know drew now oh, we got okay we got we got to say one funny thing we we, we got to talk about drew okay so guys oh, yeah <laughs> so, so guys our, our buddy drew who lives on the property um or should i say he rents the house on the property the landowner is the one that's got his permission to hunt it um he, he's definitely newer to hunting good guy tr- trying to get into hunting and really kind of uh get more experience. So we were, you know, we were out there hunting. He was using one, my, he was using my crossbow. Um, and anyways, we had him hunting off the ground. He was hunting off the ground by the Creek. Well, he even told me before when he's like, dude, I'm probably going to fall asleep. I'm like, that's fine. I'm like, dude, whatever, you know, you do you. And, you know, fell asleep and I could see him from our stand where we were first located earlier that week. You know, he's about 150 yards or so from us. I could see him kind of through the trees, whatever. And, uh, Anyways, like when we were getting down to the stand and we were dropping our stands down, you know, taking everything out of the tree, I saw him, like, I thought I saw him get up or like sit up or whatever. So I thought, you know, he was going to get up and walk towards this. Well, nothing happened. You know, a couple hours go by or about an hour goes by because we went up and checked out another tree, which is the tree from hell, as Andrew would call it. 
Um, mm-hmm. Well, we came back by, and we dropped back down to the creek and walked right past where he was sitting. And I looked at the tree I thought he was sitting on. I didn't see him. So, you know, we walked by him. So I'm like, you know, he's probably back at the house. We get back to the house, uh, and we left and went to Academy. Well, we get to Academy, and I call Drew. And I'm like, hey, Drew. I'm like, hey, man. And, like, he, like, he, like, Answer the phone, and he sounds like he sounds kind of groggy. Yeah, it sounds kind of groggy. Sounds like he literally just got up from a nap. And I'm like, okay, maybe you sleep at the house. I'm like, dude, you sleep? He's like, no, nah, man. I'm like, mm, okay. I'm like, hey, we're we're at Academy, and uh, I don't know if you need anything, but we're gonna get some screw and stuff. I don't know if there's anything you need. He's like, wait, you're not out here? And we're like, no. <laughs> he's like, he's like, he's like, dude. I'm like, don't tell me you're still down there where you are. He's like, yep. I'm like, what happened? He's like, dude, I've been asleep. We literally walked within 20 yards of him and did not see him <laughs> laying on the ground. So, shout out to Mossy Oak yeah, for that camo. Yeah, I was going to say shout out to Mossy Oak, man. That is crazy. Like, I literally looked at the tree I thought he was sitting on because I told him what tree to sit on. And I looked at that tree and I did not see him at the base of it. So, he must have been next to it, laid over or something. But So, we walked within 20 yards of him and he didn't wake up and we didn't see him. And he slept down there for like four hours. So, that was. Yeah, that's hilarious, man. It, it really that's, was. That's part of it, man. It just made the weekend fun. I had a blast. Real quick, before we uh, hop it over, we're, I'll say that, honestly, I think a couple of the reasons that we were not successful is, um, number one, I think too much activity on the property, like in the week prior to the hunt. Like I know you were running cameras, and then, uh, like you said, we were out there like quite a bit, you know, switching stuff around on a small property. I think that hurt us. Um, but more than anything, what hurt us, I think, was, like you said, the temperature. Because this property is, like, such good freaking thermal cover. I mean, it's hot out there. It's, like, real hot. And there's a lot of lower ground. There's a lot of ponds throughout this area um, with just thick stuff around them. And I'm I'm willing to bet that the deer were spending most of their time on other properties within, like, you know, a square mile of where we were. Um just in some cooler areas, maybe feeding where somebody like might have been feeding them corn or something behind their house, but I think that hurt us for sure. I think they were just not on the property. I mean, we had a couple does hanging around, but you know we didn't have any trail camera action. We didn't lay eyes on a buck that we on a deer that we knew for sure was a buck. Um, I think it was it was just like the the type of terrain that or the type of habitat that's there. Now that being said, come November. Or, you know, later, late season, it'll be dynamite. Because, like I said, it's such a good thermal cover. It'll be so much warmer out there than the surrounding woods. I think it'll be awesome. But I think that killed us, man. Yeah. I think that they just, they just weren't there. Yeah, dude. I... Which is why which is why I've never been, like, earlier I said I've, like, never knocked on doors or anything. That Really, that's why. Because I, I, I just like hunting like giant parcels of public because i can really i got some elbow room and i can go do whatever i want and hunting on a small property like that definitely has its benefits but for me it's just like man it's like i'm sitting there and i can't do anything i'm like just sitting there and like the there's like no deer on the property and i can't go to them because you know on public we hunt pretty aggressive like we we go to the deer you know on the public we go very we push it with bedding for sure and you can't do that when you when you're limited to such a small acreage. But I don't know, man. I'm I'm wanting to spread my wings and get into it a little bit more. If nothing else, just to learn more about hunting in general. Well, see, I like it just to have it as 
either backup spots, but I mean, as many good books as we got on Keyroom, there's, I mean, there's five shooters without a doubt. That's definitely the advantage of it. Is yeah. that you walked into a place you've never been before with five shooter bucks in the neighborhood. And that's just that's pretty good. That's all on one camera in a very small location. I mean, that's not even in the best spot where we think there's the most buck activity. So, you know, yeah. I, I mean, who knows how many other bucks could be in that area, which I mean, again, hopefully I, I pray that that largest buck is kind of the dominant buck in the area. And he's the one that really, that'll settle down in that spot. And that'll be his home range uh because yeah. if, if that's the case man I'm, dude I, i'm so excited to hunt this property like i hope we get legit either like a hard really hard frost in like early november or just like i would love for like a very light snowstorm to come in uh like you know like november the 8th or 10th oh my god that would be awesome i will be out there with a bow dude in this oh my god it'll be awesome i i'm drooling just thinking about it i mean i got this moose drill yeah, man got the moose drill going so <laughs> yeah man well, man, let's uh let's kill this intro. We've been flapping our gums for quite a while now, so yeah, I know. we'll toss it over to Zach, who actually knows how to shoot big giant bucks. <laughs> so, y'all, uh, y'all enjoy this interview. Hopefully, y'all get as much out of it as we did. Like we said, please watch the YouTube channel, and if you haven't already, please subscribe or leave a review. That helps us out a whole bunch. So. Y'all enjoy this, and um, good luck to everybody who's going to be hunting before our next episode airs. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Today, I'm, or tonight, I'm yep. wore out, and I'm sitting here with Jacob, and we got a dude on the phone who just killed a giant buck in Velvet in Tennessee. Yeah, guys, we have Zach Marcus on. And Zach, uh, if you don't mind, can you tell our, our listeners of, you know, what region of Tennessee are you actually from, just so people can kind of get an idea well, I'm, I'm originally from southern middle Tennessee, Lawrence County, but um, I guess about a year ago, my wife and I moved up to Nashville. Uh, she was a league of so that's what brought us up here. So I've kind of focused my – I have a family farm down in Lawrenceburg, but it's an hour and 45-minute drive for me down there. So that's a little – it's not really convenient just to jump in the truck and drive an hour and 45 minutes for a hunt, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've kind of – I've done a lot of door knocking around here got some got a few properties and uh that's where actually i killed that that deer on one of them this afternoon or this morning well man that's that's phenomenal that's something that uh we definitely uh you know try to do ourselves is try to you know, knock on some doors and kind of get permission that way because i mean to be honest there's there's not really a better way to find a good hunting property than just knock on some doors you know get through those no's yeah. and find those yeses so that's awesome man uh, but, yeah, that, that's what i tell people i said you gotta get out there and you know knock on doors they're not gonna they're not gonna call you and you can hunt their property. Yeah. Now, dude. Now, now, when it comes to that, what what are you using any kind of service or anything to figure out, uh, you know, these properties and maybe landowners' names or the boundaries or anything like that? Man, all I use is the uh, Onyx Hunt app. Awesome, man. Uh, and I have good, you know, good success using it, but it's kind of out of date. So sometimes, you know, you run into properties sold since then. You know, some of these properties that I found it's been, you know, it's three or four years out of date, but it's it's pretty accurate most of the time yeah and we're both huge proponents of uh onyx we absolutely love the product and that was one thing i was wondering about because you know i've always been fascinated with guys who you know was able to do these uh, you know just kind of get permission through these different properties before onyx that's the one thing i was always fascinated with so that's great that you're using that service and you're having success with it so far but man let's kind of jump into first of all uh when twra uh, announced that they were going to do this velvet hunt. What was your mindset or what was your thought on it? I mean, first of all, did you believe it at first or, you know, how did that all come about for you? 
Yeah, I mean, I I was kind of excited about it from the start just because, you know, I'm, I'm like everyone else. Every year, I, you know, I'd get good deer on camera, and then when they started shedding their velvet, you know, and they would switch from their summer range to their, you know, fall range, I, I, they would disappear and move on to another property or whatever, and i never see them again. So, I, you know, I'd always have bucked pattern this time of year. And so whenever they first announced it, I was like, man, it's, you know, it's a great time of the year to, Relax. I, I think it's the best time of year to, as far as pattern and mature buck goes. Yeah, and, man. Uh, I, and I've I agree. seen, you know, this weekend there's a lot, of, a lot of big deer being killed. I knew there would be. Uh, yeah. I don't know. There's there a lot of people that were against it and stuff, but I don't, I don't think it's gonna, you know, hurt the, the herd or anything bio, you know, biologically or anything like that. But definitely, uh, definitely good for the hunters because there's, there's some huge deer killed this weekend, and you know, I know there'll be some more killed tomorrow. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, man, I was I was on Facebook earlier today uh, while we were out at lunch, <clears throat> and I was on the Tennessee Deer Hunter page, and there's dudes on there like, man, they're they're killing all the breeders. There's not gonna be any bucks left to breed this fall. I'm like, can't you just be happy, man? <laughs> like, just go shoot a buck. Like, go try yeah, and shoot a buck. I posted my deer on there, and I got a little little flack from the, the score they was telling me that velvet don't count and it adds 20 inches of the score and everything else you know, just, sounds uh, like they're people, jealous yeah people are, they, they get jealous well that's that's another thing zach i actually saw your post and that's you know one reason i reached out to you about that was you know i saw a lot of guys giving you some flack on that i saw you kind of like defending yourself to some other guys you know defending as well just because i think a lot of people are kind of jealous and they don't understand the whole system of it i mean I, I do understand the whole drying purposes, but man, it, I mean, it doesn't matter, man. I mean, that buck is, you know, a quality buck, no matter how you look at it, man. And if it's 163 inches, it, I think that's what you said it was. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, dude, that, that's, that's an awesome deer. I don't, I mean, again, like one guy said on the, on the comments, he's like, you didn't kill it 60 days, uh, in, in the future. I mean, you killed it now. So that's what he's scoring. Exactly. That's what I said. He scored 163 today when I, when I killed him, you know, and I may not even enter him in the record, you know, in the books or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean, I don't really care about the 60 day. I, I know it'll shrink a little bit, but most of the time, from what I've seen, you know, they may shrink, you know, two to three inches in the 60 day day drying period. And then the velvet, I've never actually even touched the velvet buck until today. And I thought it was a lot thicker than it was, but the velvet was really tight on his antlers, you know, and he, he had a little bit scraped off on, on one of his tines. And man, that stuff's paper thin, so I, I just can't see how it adds that much to the score I, I was thinking maybe five to eight inches max on the whole total score yeah that's that one guy on there was telling too. me that if i would scrape all the the velvet off and score that deer that it would meet 140 to 145 max but i can't see how <laughs> it would lose 20 you know yeah 20 inches. Dude. We, we've gotten some videos of some bucks uh on trail camera like pretty close up and you can see like how thin that velvet is like what you're talking about they're getting ready to shed it and everything so yeah yeah it's paper thin and that deer right there i mean he on his bases i don't know if, if that's just the way it was or, or what or if he was about to shed but i mean it was like he had a little bit off on his bases yeah i don't know if I, but I, I was you know i squeezed his, his antlers I, I didn't know if they were hard but they, they were hard as a rock so I, hmm. and last year i had trail camera pictures of a deer that had already shed his velvet august 31st really oh wow yeah 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 I mean, and, uh, they'll, they'll be shedding actually, my buddy in two just, weeks. Uh, sent me a picture today of a, a deer that he filmed behind his house already hard horn. Oh, and wow. I think Jacob actually knows him, Jonathan uh, Bone. Oh, really? 
Yeah, you, you saw the video yeah. that he posted, I think, on, on Facebook or something, but he sent me a picture. Yeah, I saw the picture. Uh, it sounds like a young 8-point. Yeah, dude, I didn't know that was a hard horn. Yeah, I was talking to him today about that, but I didn't ask him. I mean, I didn't know that whole situation. Uh, that That's crazy. Um, that's one thing that I've seen kind of across the board, you know. You know, it's hit or miss because, I mean, there was opportunities, I'm sure, for some guys to be able to chase some deer that already were hard horner. I think, which somebody posted about this, I think it would be awesome to get a mount of one where he was already halfway shedding his velvet. I think that would just look insane, but uh, let, let's talk a little bit more about first of all the property that you that you were hunting. You know, I, I don't we don't need any GPS coordinates, we don't need any addresses, but just give yeah, us yeah. give us an idea <laughs> of what the property is like and maybe what made it special for you to be able to harvest that deer. Well, uh, I'll just I'll just give you the whole story on how I'm, how I found this deer. So I was actually just just riding around one day, just looking, you know, and I, I actually saw this deer in someone's yard. And uh, I got to looking on my app, and the, those couple houses right there, they back up to a huge, huge block of wood. It's a couple hundred acres. It's just all different, you know, different property owners, but it's just a continuous block of woods. And uh, I ended up ended up getting permission on, on one. There are actually two of those two of those houses there, total of, of five acres. And uh, and it's nothing special, really. It's just it's just really hilly in there, and. It's all this honeysuckle. That's all it is. It's so thick, and you couldn't even see. The uh, the landowner he, he let me come in there, and cl- I cleared out a, a big area. I'm gonna plant a food plot, and I'm just gonna take some throw and grill and throw it down, and just see what happens. Uh, you know, water it or something. But uh, again, I cut some shooting lanes, and uh, the deer was actually bedding on the, the other property that I got. I figured out you know where he's bedding. I actually found a shed of his from last year in there. That was in perfect condition, which is rare for this time of year. Uh, it hasn't been chewed on or anything. And so uh, I figured out where he's bedding, hung a trail camera, all that. Got a bunch of pictures of him. And and this morning, he, I had a, I got a salt link in there. Uh, they've been hitting it really hard for the last month. And uh, I just caught him coming down that trail to my, my salt link. And I at 12 yards mm. from the base of my tree. Man, yeah. actually, uh, he was a whole lot bigger when I walked up to him than I originally thought, which is rare. You know, usually it's the other way around. Usually, it's, you know, kind of ground shrink. Oh, man, I thought he's a big one. Yeah, up to me, he's not as big as he thought, but yeah. this was the other way around. I, I didn't awesome, think he was anywhere man. near this big. When I walked up on him, I was like, good grief. Well, that's got to be a 160-inch deer. Mm-hmm. And he was. <laughs> no, I mean, that, that's, that's awesome. Now, okay, one thing I want to talk to you about, I mean that. First of all, that was awesome, but dude, I mean, congrats on that. First of all, I gotta, I, I gotta just make sure. I mean, are you gonna get a shoulder mount done? What's your, what's your uh, idea oh, yeah. for that deer? Yeah, yeah, I, I took him to taxidermist today and uh, picked out a, picked out a form. Um, it's a, it's you know, it's a, it's a wall mount, but it's kind of, it's kind of off the wall, kind of like a, a pedestal mount does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, taxidermist, he, he talked me into getting that mount. He, he said he's got, got three mounted uh, that he's killed himself like that. And uh, he said it looks really good on these summertime deer, so I'm going to try that mount. I don't have that one yet, so I thought I'd try something new. Awesome. That's well, awesome. Well, I kinda, again, for all of our listeners out there, guys, you know what we're talking about now is this velvet uh, August uh, 24th through the 26th hunt 
that Tennessee was doing for private land owners. Uh, this is what we're talking about now. Again, Zach had phenomenal luck and just, uh, I mean, a great aspect of, you know, what was possible for this hunt. And like Zach was saying, you know, there was a lot of big deer that were getting killed. I mean, I was impressed with some of the quality. And like, like you said, Zach, I mean, I knew there'd be big deer getting killed just because they're so easy to pattern now, especially if you've got a property that you know day in and day out, you know, what the deer are doing, you have experience with the property, or like you, you know, you might just pick that property up and you just put enough time and effort into it that you really got an idea of, you know, what that deer was doing. And again, you kind of patterned them. Uh, and that's really what I think definitely helped you with your success on such a small property, man. And that's one thing that a lot of people don't realize. You don't have to have, you know, a couple hundred acres, a couple thousand acres to have a kill a big deer like that. I mean, you did that or you got that happen, you know, within, you know, five acres. Is that correct again? Yeah, yeah, to, uh, total of uh, both both properties I have are two and a half acres apiece, and they join each other. Man, nice. Total five acres. But, Man, you know, yeah. You got I, like I say, they, they join a, a continuous block of over 100 acres of woods, but, I mean, he was living on that on the other two and a half acre property, and just, I mean, he wasn't betting 150 yards from my, you know, my salt lick, and uh, I just uh, caught him on a trail coming to it. That, nice. that's awesome that's all and again that's one thing that i think really helps you pay off now what time of the year when when were you able to pick up that property or those properties um it's about a month ago is when i first found that deer and, and, and knocked on those doors and got that property man nice. listen okay so, so so you're doing it right man yeah so at heart just to kind of let you know something about you again some a lot of our listeners understand this too i'm a pretty big fanatic when it comes to urban bow hunting okay uh, in, in and around just housing development, the, the hunting is still challenging because, believe me, the deer, they, they, they get catch wind of you, especially out away from the houses. They definitely, you know, turn tail, go the other way. But it's just the opportunities of killing some giant deer in and around those areas that a lot of people don't get the opportunity to do. Uh, yep. And that's... Uh, you're right. And, you know, when you talk to a lot of these homeowners, they're like, man, it would just be too easy, you know, to, to kill one of these deer. And... I'm, and I tell them, I was like, you know, it's, it's not it's not that easy just because, you know, they come out in, in your yard and they, they feel safe. They know they know where they're safe and where they're not. They, you get back in those woods, I mean, they put up with, you know, human interaction, but human intrusion is a different thing. Yeah, uh, man, I mean, it's still a wild animal. Especially when you're hunting a mature buck. I mean, he's not going to put up with, with a whole lot, no matter if he's a city deer or not. Yeah. He still got it. I mean, like, I passed up a, like a 130-inch nine-point yesterday and 125 inch eight point and both of those are three-year-old deer but man they were just just as cautious and alert as any deer i've ever hunted i mean public land deer i mean they they would walk you know and just look around and sniff the air i mean they were they were super cautious the whole time so and it, i haven't really hunted sitting you know up in the city much I mean, this is my first year hunting up here because like i say i just moved up here last year and you know i i didn't know really know what to expect but uh, those deer, man, they—they they were a lot more cautious and a lot more, on, you know, on, the, on alert than I—I I was expecting. Hmm. Yeah. Now, w- before we started recording, you kind of mentioned that that uh, you listen to like the Hunting Beast podcast and a couple other podcasts. Uh, so, do you use any of those Hunting Beast tactics where you're like going and finding the bed or or anything like that? Um. Yeah, I have some, you know, on bigger properties or, uh, on, you know, public land and stuff like that. But around here, when you have small properties, you, 
it's kind of kind of hard to if you're only hunting you know a couple acres but i was lucky luckily i was able to find where this deer was bedding because i jumped him out of his bed that's the only reason i knew that he was bedding there nice nice and uh, so i figured out where he was bedding and then it was so thick on that property that that i was going to try to set up on him on um i asked the landowner if i could take a chainsaw in there and clear out so i, I cleared out a huge area like probably 30 yards by 30 yards in there with a chainsaw it took me about five hours so that's why i'm gonna plant that food plot and then i put the, the salt lick in there and i i was like well i'm either gonna run him out of here or you know it's gonna work because there was no way for me to hunt him without without clearing that and clearing some shoot lines because it was so thick that you couldn't even see five feet in front of you and if you climbed a tree the canopy from those honeysuckle bushes was just you couldn't you wouldn't be able to see the ground or see a deer and i put that put a camera up and a salt lick and everything and it took him about a week and a half before i got him on camera but then he, he started hitting it pretty regular and then this past week he hadn't been coming in there much uh he only came in two well three the third day was when i, when I killed him so it was three out of seven days so i didn't i didn't know if i was going to have a chance at him or not it wasn't like he was like but the two weeks before he was coming in just about every day yeah but i just got lucky i guess that's kind of how our property's been. I mean, we had, I think, four different pretty good bucks on camera. One really, really good buck, but they're coming through pretty sporadically. It's real, it's real fragmented where we are. There's like, you know, a block of timber here, a block of timber there, and we think they're just kind of making their rounds or something. But, uh, you know, you yeah, said that, you went. That, in, I found that's how it is up here in the city. Uh, yeah. You know, because a lot of people feed them. Like, if you ride around and look at people's yard and stuff, they have feeders. They you know put put corn out in the feeders and stuff. Oh, yeah. So I, they probably just hop around to all these spots, and that's why it's so sporadic. It's hard to pattern them sometimes. Yeah, that's I, that's exactly what I was telling Jacob today. I was like, man, I bet there's people feeding these things corn. You know, washing them off their back porch all the time. But you know, you uh, you mentioned like kind of where he was bedded. So you know, hunting a a more like urban area, I guess. What uh, what kind of stuff did you find him bedded in? And he was bedded just on a, a little bench, like it's a steep hill, and there's this little flat spot, and he was bedded just up on, on the bench right there, just on that little flat spot, and up under a, a big honeysuckle bush. I mean, it, he could lay up under it, and, I mean, it was so low to the ground, that, I mean, his antler, you know, like his, his neck and head and the antlers and everything would be up in it. I don't really know why he'd done that, because it seemed like to me he wouldn't be able to see, but I guess he could hear and smell good or whatever, but that's that's where I jumped him. He was laying under under that bush. Yeah. And I found his shed not 50 yards from there. So I guess that was his, little, his core area. Yeah, I'd imagine he spent a bunch of time in there. That's cool how you said you plowed in that food plot and everything and you took that chainsaw in there. Uh, I guess it makes sense that he didn't it didn't run him off because I bet they're used to landscaping and like crap like yeah. that in the neighborhoods. So I bet you could get away with quite a bit like you did. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I had in mind. I was like, man, they got to hear, you know, stuff like this all the time people you know like like landscaper crews coming in or, or whatever like people leaf getting, blowers you know trees stuff. cut in their, in their yard and stuff so i but i, I that's the only option i had was to do that i wouldn't have been able to see in there so i done it and took a chance on it i took a rake and raked all the leaves back and it's, it's just bare dirt in there so maybe here in a well, week or two if I, if I can get ahead of some rain i'm gonna throw down some seed and hopefully get a food pot established in there Heck yeah. Yeah, now, Zach, uh, you know, I know you said that, you know, these are both really small properties that butt up against each other, you know, totaling of five acres. Is this your first time 
uh, or, or first real experience hunting like small urban properties like that? Or before this, did you have any other opportunities uh, in this past season or previous seasons to do something similar? Mm, no, it's, this is my first season. Uh, actually, um, I killed a deer up here last year, a really good deer. Actually, it was my biggest deer. It was, it was like 130, 131-inch eight point. That was my biggest deer. Um, I killed it last year up, up here, um, but it was on it was on 40 acres. And I got another spot that's 20-something acres up here last year just by door knocking. But then this year, I really got serious about, you know, you know, knocking on doors and finding these properties and stuff, and so. But th- yeah, this is my first first year really, you know, have any experience with hunting these really small pieces of properties. Well, see, that's something that I really do, really do find fascinating, and I really do have a passion for trying to hunt areas like that, and again, find some of these places that a lot of other people aren't thinking to do. I mean, yeah, you know, people probably hear about, you know, oh, go knock on some doors and try to get permission. But when it comes to like these really tight, small urban areas where people only have you know a couple acres, a lot of people overlook that, and I really do believe that because I'm guilty of that as well. Because you know, you know, like a lot of people, I'm trying to find you know 10, 12, 15, 20, 30, 40 exactly. acres. That's yeah. what I was fixing to say. I've really learned this past summer. I've been, you know, I started knocking on doors in July. I really, I learned that everyone targets these these bigger tracks because everyone that I would ask on those tracks. They'd be like, oh, we've been asked a hundred times, you know. We get asked about hunting all the time. Yeah. And I, I think everyone, no one thinks about these, these, these smaller tracks like that. Yeah, and I 100% agree. I mean, and that's one thing that really can help you be more niche on what you're doing and really have opportunities at deer that a lot of people aren't having and aren't going to be pressuring those deer. I mean, to be able to get in there on some of these small properties like that and get permission – and be able to work it and be able to work with the landowner. And if you, you know, if you have the capabilities of, you know, having a landowner that's willing to let you kind of go in there and do, uh, you know, put a little small food plot or something like that, I mean, that's even a better win. But I've experienced. Yeah, it's, just, it's just icing on the cake. I, I was lucky mm-hmm. to, you know, knock on the guy's door as nice as this guy was. You know, it's just hunter's dream. This dude, he's, he doesn't care. He's, whatever you need to do, do it. Yeah. You know. Exactly. Well, another thing that, you know, my, my background, I, I actually just moved to Nashville uh, about four months ago for work. I'm actually from uh, just south of Birmingham, Alabama. And okay. uh, when, when I lived down there, we had a small urban uh, spot that we hunted and ha- would get, you know, tons of good pictures of high quality deer. My brother is actually able to kill a really, really good eight point for that area, uh, which if he wasn't missing his G2, that which he broke off probably about three nights before we were able to kill him. Um, he probably would have been in the, the low 130s, high 120s. And uh, just, a, just a really high-quality deer for that area. And, it's good deer. And it, it's one of those things that, you know, a lot of people were overlooking stuff like that. I mean, it was in the back of a small subdivision, uh, you know, at the edge of a swamp. And a lot of people were not looking to get that. And, again, being able to go in there and have success like that was just phenomenal. So that's one thing I think a lot of people get wound up on is, man, i got to have a couple hundred acres. Oh, man, i got to have, yeah. you know, even a lot of people complain about 50 acres. I'm like, dude. I mean, there's so much you can do with 10, 20, 30 acres that it's unbelievable. I mean, I know guys that own property that are, you know, 15, 20 acres out in, you know, Illinois, Missouri, and places like that, and they always kill big deer just because the way they handle it and also where the property is located. I mean, that is important as well when you're, you know, you are on a smaller property. It's all about the location, too. But uh, that, that is phenomenal. Now, when it comes to your game plan for the rest of this fall, are you trying to pick up any other properties uh, going throughout this uh, before hunting season, or what's your mindset on that right now? 
Yeah, I, I've uh, I've got like four or five other properties that, that I've picked up, and uh, so I, there's a lot. I got I don't know a few decent bucks on on them, you know, good two and three year olds. I'm not going to shoot, but there's a ton of does on them, so I'm hoping. On those properties, you know, I was hanging out to the rut, and those, I know, the, you know, those does are in there. There'll be a mature buck move in sooner or later on one of them. Yeah. And I, maybe on this one over here, you know, that, that food plot, there's there's nothing for them to eat around there. Like, I, I don't think, except people out of people's yards and flower beds and stuff. And on those two properties I have, all it is is those honeysuckle bush, bushes, and mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't find any oak trees or anything like that, so... I imagine if I've got a good established food plot in there, I could draw some deer in there. Oh, exactly. And I mean, that's one thing that I think is really important on smaller properties. You either have to have the property in an area that is a natural funnel, whether that's, uh-huh. you know, in between housing developments uh, where, you know, it pinches down right there, whether, you know, there's yeah. water sources, this and that. I mean, you got to think outside the box or you got to have food. Uh, or, you know, of course, bedding as well. But, you know, really that food or being in that pinch points really is what's going to help you out, especially come to rut. And especially in this area uh, coming November, because man, there are so many big deer in and around Nashville. It is unfreaking real. I know guys. Uh, I actually live in Hermitage, and uh, I know guys. Jonathan being one of them. That's got pictures of absolute just Booner Cro- Booner Crockett quality bucks uh, in and around Booner Crockett. Bo- yeah, I can't, <laughs> God, I can't even talk tonight. Bo- Booner Crockett bucks from. <laughs> all around uh, Nashville. I mean, it's uh, it's unbelievable. You know, pushing deer pushing almost 190 inches. And I mean, that's not over, yeah. that's not even over exaggeration, guys. I mean, some listeners right now probably can't even comprehend that. I mean, literally, there are some absolute giant deer in these areas that people are overlooking. And people that are in these subdivisions, they see these deer every day. So it's all about knocking on the doors, getting permission, and going in there trying to harvest one of these bucks. And I absolutely love it. I do too, and and it's like that with a lot of big cities like Memphis. I know I know a couple people live over there, and they say it's the same way, you know. And I'm sure it's like that with bigger cities in in any state. But um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of getting more. It's kind of getting more, you know, more attention here the last few years from what I've what I've seen. My buddy that lives up here, he's hunted the city that for 15 years, and he says there's 10 times more hunters, you know, hunting in and around the city than there was back then. Yeah, and I, I believe that. There's uh, some guys that uh, are with Mossy Oak who are from Atlanta. I believe their production, I think their show is called Seek Production. I might have butchered that. Se- Seek One Seek Production, it. yeah. yeah. I, I actually been t- I've been talking to one of uh, one of the guys, Lee. I mean, he has been talking back and forth the last few days quite a bit. Uh, they're up here right now. Yeah, I was going to say, they just moved to Nashville. They've encounters with some, with yep. some shooter bucks, but yep. haven't connected on one yet. Yeah, they, uh, they moved to Nashville, I believe that's correct. And uh, I think this can be awesome to kind of get their idea on what's going on up here in these areas. Because, I mean, it's one of those things. I mean, with them being from Atlanta, I mean, they actually they killed some absolute giants from Atlanta. I'm talking, yeah, you know, 200-inch quality deer. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, it's showing the potential that areas like this can, can have. And, again, you don't have to have, you know, thousands of dollars in leases. You don't have to own hundreds of or thousands of acres. You just got to knock on doors. If you can get past... Yeah, if you, if most you, people... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not new to the door knocking thing because I've been knocking on doors for years, turkey hunting. Uh, like my farm down in Lawrence County, we used to have a lot of turkeys. We had that decline and all that. I'm not even going to keep with that because be, we'll be here for hours. But anyways, um, the county next to us always had just a huge turkey population. And... I bet I knocked on 500 doors in, you know, just three or four years, and I got some great turkey hunting properties. So 
but most people they'd be like, man, I'm not, I'm not going up there knocking on those people's door. You know, most people they just won't do it. I don't know why. I guess they're scared. scared. Uh, it's worth saying, do you know, worth saying do is say no. That's my motto. Yeah. Well, man, in your opinion, what's the number one thing that people need to do when they're going to ask for permission? What What's your number one tip for uh, getting permission on places? <laughs> man, I don't know. It, every landowner is different. You, you just got to read them, you know, and just fill them out and see how they feel about hunting, you know, and stuff like that. Just, you know, just explain what you're doing. Because a lot of them, they think, oh, you, they just want to come here and kill this big deer and leave, you know. And I explained to them that, you know, my, me and my family eat, eat deer, eat a couple, you know, a few deer a year. None of the meat goes to waste. And, and then I, you know, I'll kill a deer or two every year to donate to Hunters for the Hunger program here in Tennessee that, you know, don't, they give a deer to starving families or whatever. So, you know, the meat definitely doesn't go to waste. Yeah, I like, I like big antlers as much as anybody, but I'm, that's not the only reason that I'm out there hunting. I hunt because you know, I, I enjoy it. And, and I love to eat venison. <laughs> Yeah, I'm honestly, about ready to eat it and beef. <laughs> well, another thing, Zach, which I I kind of I think uh, you have that characteristic, and, and I think if I knocked on more doors, I'd have more success. Is just trying to get the time to do it, which again, it's all about being productive and, and really being intentional in doing it. But it, I think it really does to have success with it. You really do have to have a way with your words and really have a certain personality that you can easily connect with people. Uh, if you have that right personality that you can really hit it off with somebody very easily and kind of just roll with it, I think your 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 chances of getting more yeses than noes really goes up quickly. And I, I know a lot of guys that have that kind of personality that can really relate with people on a quick basis within, I'm talking tw- 10 to 20 seconds, they already have yep. the people opening up to them and then they're in. Uh, now whether, yeah, that's what it takes. You know, just, just, just be friendly, you know, and, I don't know. Just, just tell them what your intentions are. Just be straight up with them. Don't don't beat around the bush. Don't, mm-hmm. you know, don't lie to them just to get permission. You know, just tell them tell them what you want to do and and just be friendly. Most most of them are nice, you know, and they either tell you yes or no. Some some people just aren't going to let you no matter what, and that's fine. You know, I mean, it's their property. They can they can do what they want with it. But then there's there's a bunch of them out there that will. You just gotta and never. What I've learned is, is never think just about looking at the house or anything. Never think that that person right there is not going to let you because some of these places I have, I was, you know, pulling up in that driveway, man, there's no way these people are going to let me hunt. And then those are the ones that let you. Yeah. Um, I, I'll knock on any door. I mean, I don't care. I'm, if I find a place that I, I want to, you know, try to get permission, I'm knocking on the door because I've done learning that you just got to knock. Yeah, man. Um, so do you have any success with, uh, like, if someone says no to you, but they're being friendly about it, are you ever like, well, do you know anybody down the road? Who oh, yeah, yeah, okay? I'll ask them if they, you know, if they have any, any friends or, you know, family or whatever. And I, I, actually, if one lady told me no. She's like, well, I just don't want any hunting on my property. She's like, but my sister uh, owns this land down here, and she hates deer and all this. They eat her flowers and, you know, they rub her <laughs> trees, you know, and... I actually went down there to her sister's house and got permission to hunt her place. So, you know, it kind of it worked out good. But you never know. I I just sit there and I'll just sit there and you know just shoot the bull with them, even if they tell me no. And then I had this one guy. He told me no at first, and we talked for like thirty minutes, and he's like, "Man, I kind of like you." And then he ended up giving me permission to hunt his place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I, I just I don't try to limit myself on time like. I just take a day or whatever, and I'm I'm knocking on doors, no matter how long it takes me, and I'll just 
I'll sit there and talk to somebody for an hour if I have to. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's one thing I think that you really have to you really have to focus on it is if you're there, if you know, if they tell you no right off the bat, that's fine. But keep kind of working on the conversation because you never know where it where it could lead. Um, I, we actually that happened to me today uh, when we were coming out for the hunt this morning. Uh, we actually met the landowner uh, and, and kind of got talking to him a little bit more. And this landowner has 42 acres that uh, he's looking to actually sell. And we just kind of started talking a little bit more and just kind of talking about it, talking about what you know what's going on, this and that. And my whole goal was to try to you know talk to him and kind of open up to him a little bit more and have him open up to me and it it worked to the point that you know he started talking about some other properties that he had now we didn't bring up hunting those other properties but we kind of planted that seed just talking about it and he was and he's fascinated with archery and of course we're bow hunting he's absolutely fascinated with it and we kind of talked to him about like you know how the the functionality of first of all of a bow first of all how it works but also how it's so much more um reasonable to be able to use in and around houses because again I, I love urban bow hunting and i told him that you know that's kind of my experience and it, it's very ethical in and around housing with you know a good shot good shot placement and really good practice you can really be ethical in very small areas and uh again he, he, he again he thought it was fascinating and i definitely think that can go somewhere later and it's one of those things you kind of feel it out you know don't always try to hit the home run right off the bat you know a lot of these houses i know guys that knock on doors and you know they might say no or this or that or maybe you know it doesn't really go anywhere but they kind of come back by and kind of retouch base with that landowner again kind of shoot the bull with them kind of talk to them and just check in on them and they've had luck maybe on that second or third trip back they're like yeah you know how, you know how about you just have the property yourself they're like no big deal uh, just because they trust you because that's one thing i think a landowners really have a trust issue when it comes to exactly. people that, that's property. what the problem is that you know and and Nowadays, I don't, you know, I don't blame them, but they think that everyone's out to get them. Somebody's gonna, you know, come on the property and get hurt or something and sue them for everything they got. So they're kind of on edge about it, or they're gonna steal from them or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. they're kind of apprehensive about letting just a stranger on their property. Yeah, and, and, and but you know, if you sit there and you know talk to them, and they they realize that you know what your intentions are and you're you know a good person mm-hmm. and all that. I mean, most of them are okay with it, but then like I say, some of them they're just. They're just not gonna let you on, and that's fine. Yeah, and see, yeah, I, I like to watch dude and all mm-hmm. that, and that, that's good with me. I mean, it's, you know, it's your property; you can do what you want. Yeah, and see, that's my mindset. I mean, if someone tells me no, that that's fine. I mean, it's their property, you know, especially if they're in a respectful manner. I mean, I've had people, you know, very respectfully tell me no, like you know, whether or not maybe. Maybe it was, you know, they liked seeing the wildlife or maybe, uh, you know, someone else hunted the property or maybe they just, they weren't comfortable at the moment. And I told them, I tell them all the time, I'm like, you know, I appreciate, I appreciate you talking with me and, uh, you know, I appreciate your time and I hope you have a great day and kind of leave it at that and maybe come back by, you know, in, you know, for uh-huh. four or six months and kind of touch base and leave it on a positive note. Don't ever leave it on a negative note. So when you come back by and reintroduce yourself to them and just like, you know, kind of check on them. You know, they kind of can remember that last time that you were there. Hopefully they remember that it was on a positive note and maybe they have a different mindset with you. And, again, that's how you can build that trust factor. Especially, I've heard some guys get some absolute dynamite locations in some urban areas by doing that. Again, building that trust because, again, the landowner, he's the one that's got something to lose. I mean, the, the hunter, exactly. you've got nothing to lose. I mean, they're going to tell you no big deal. The landowner is the one that's worried, like you said, about lawsuits, getting injured, uh, you know, getting in trouble with their other, maybe their, their, uh, their, uh, what's it called? Not their PTO. <laughs> um, 
say they're in a neighborhood and, and they have what is that? Oh, the homeowner association. Home, yes, the homeowner association. You know, yeah, I'm all about them. Because well, see, I've I've had issues. I've ran into some some landowners that they were property owners. Should I say that they were up for, but they were worried about their homeowners association getting upset with them for hunting. Yep. And and that was kind of the issue. We kind of you know it kind of hit a brick wall and it really didn't go anywhere. And again, I respect them. They're like, you know, I really don't want to do it just because I don't want to get in trouble with them. Other than that, you know, I have no problem with someone hunting and this and that, but just this not might not be the best fit. And I, again, I was like, I totally understand. So it's just one of those things you got to fill out. And again, if people kind of go out and just try this, I mean, especially I think the Southeast is a absolutely perfect location to try this out at. I mean, and you don't have to be in some giant urban area. I mean, if you, you know, if you got a small town, you know, what I call small town like 20,000 people uh, or it, you're even smaller than that. But like, yeah, just, like where I come from, Larksburg, I mean, it's, it's 30,000 people. There's a big deal in the city limits of Larksburg. Exactly. And it doesn't I, take a big giant. It doesn't take a city like Nashville to grow big deer. It's just anywhere that's, you know, suburban around the city that people don't hunt a lot and don't kill a deer out and they can grow and get, you know, reach mature age, you know, and grow those big antlers. Now, Zach, with, with your very limited experience but having good success very early on doing this, uh, by knocking on doors for deer and really being able to harvest some deer off the properties, what advice would you give to somebody once they get permission? What advice would you give them to try to have the most success on that property? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I just, you know, when I get permission, I you know, do you mind if I if I walk the property or whatever? And I I just walk in and look for sign, look for trails. You know, find a good hot trail, hang a camera on it. Because a lot of times they see the properties, you know they. They don't have a lot of choices, you know, where they're going to move and stuff. And you find a good wore-out trail. Like, I'm used to hunting, you know, 1,200 acres of my family farm down there. Uh, you know, big woods and thickets and stuff. And all that stuff that I've learned down there doesn't really apply to here. You find a big wore-out trail down there, chances are it's mostly does and small bucks using it. But your bucks, or you got to look down the hill or whatever. They'll, they'll use a, or up the hill. You've got to find that faint trail. That's the one they use use the most. Mm-hmm. But up here, I mean, I found find a wild trail. Every deer uses it. Uh, so I mean, I don't know. I just, just look for sign. I mean, up here, any sign can, can be a, a big deer. Or, you know, it's a little little deer using. You never know. I mean, it's just. But like I say, I don't have a whole lot of experience hunting up here, so. Well, and I, I totally understand that, and that's that. You kind of hit the nail on the head. Was. You know, that's kind of something that my mindset is too, you know, with my, you know, experiences, urban bow hunting is, you know, try walk the property and quickly figure out whether or not there's a funnel on the property. Again, whether it's between housing, whether it's fencing. I mean, fences, you'd be amazed how deer, which I mean, you might know this depending on how your properties lay out. You know, you know, a six foot fence, you know, deer could clear that in a heartbeat, but you'd be amazed on how often they walk around those fences. And yep, they're going to take the path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah some kind of funnel or anything that funnels those deer around anything or, or through it that's that's the way you want to be exactly and again especially during the rut because mm-hmm. that's where all the you know those are going to go there and the bucks are going to follow mm-hmm. but well you know not every property has those you just some of them do and some of them don't but if you can find one that has a good funnel it's dynamite I mean, it's money exactly and another thing just trying to get trail cameras on the property i mean now do you have a trail camera on, on each one of your uh urban areas i mean do you have a camera on each property yeah i do whenever i as soon as i get a property i i don't i don't have an extra camera i'll go buy one but yep. i'm gonna have a camera <laughs> you know that's 
that's just the extra set of eyes for me. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. And again, that that's been uh, my tried and true, especially back home. That that's what I would do. Now, I've, I've, and I love running trail cameras because it's like Christmas. Every time you go check. Oh them. yeah, <laughs> man. Oh, dude, listen. That okay? So what was it? Uh, Friday? No, Thursday night. Getting. Re- I took off Friday for work. I checked trail cameras Thursday. Brought the SIM card home. Got on the got on the computers looking at it, and I had a video of an absolute. I'm calling him a giant. It's probably the biggest buck I've ever got on camera. And I've got some pretty big deer on camera. I'm not, I'm not even going to guess on what he's going to score, but I can send you the video and let you look at the deer. But uh, this is an absolute monarch of a buck. Uh, and I had a couple other videos of some other good deer, you know, probably three or four years old, just good heavy body, just, you know, decent, decent time length, you know, probably pushing, you know, upper 120s, you know, low 130s. Um, uh-huh. But that that was the day before that hunt and i was already excited and i saw that video of that buck and that buck had came through there on the 21st and at noon okay which that's when we had that cold front coming through early that week man and i was so excited man i couldn't go to sleep but it's stuff like that on these small properties that you can really you, it, it it blew me away i did not expect that at all on this property now this property is 42 acres give or take for, roughly 42 acres and I had no experience with it. And really what's kind of hurt me on this velvet hunt, and I'll be honest, I didn't put enough time on this property when I got it. I got permission to hunt this property in May. And I kind of I did some scouting trips on it. I didn't really run a whole bunch of cameras or anything because I was trying to figure out the property. It, it used to be an old cattle farm, so it is very limited on the timber. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of old CRP grasses and just briar patches and stuff where the, you know in these old pastures. And I just now seems like today we kind of have a, a pretty solid idea how the deer are using the location, which is giving me more confidence coming, you know, September 22nd when bow season opens. And that's kind of my mindset right now is kind of be able to pick up as much identity uh, from all these different bucks on these properties and be able to apply that come opener. Because uh, I'll, I'll say, it, man, I'm, I've been, I'm way underprepared for this velvet hunt. And that's, again, 100% my fault, man. But definitely, Zach, you, you – you hit the home run. I mean, you absolutely hit the home run, man, with that buck. Uh, and I think you did an excellent job uh, getting permission on that property and be able to close the deal on them. Yeah, dude. Yeah, man, I'll tell you, it's, just, it's pure luck that I ever even found that deal and got permission and everything. It just, it just all worked out. I mean, it's just like it's meant to be, you know. It's one of them things. When it's your time to kill a big one, you'll kill it. Heck yeah, dude. Well, I got to ask you to, to close us out here. What are your plans for the rest of the season? We still got a whole lot of hunting ahead of us. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to try to locate a couple more big ones and just, I don't know, maybe just, I'm gonna probably going to pass some good deer, I'd say, and then wait till the rut because I know up here, you know, anything can happen to the rut. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to pass no 140-inch deer or nothing, <laughs> but I'll probably pass some that I would normally shoot. I hear that. I don't, know, I don't know what'll happen. I'm gonna try to try to lock down a few more properties and just run some cameras and maybe do some filming for some buddies or I don't know. Unless I get a real big one on camera, then I'm gonna be after. Him. Yeah. Well, dude, congratulations on your buck, and I hope that I hope you shoot one that's even bigger later in the year, man. Oh yeah. man, <laughs> that'll be hard to top. I promise you that. <laughs> 
Well, dude, thanks thanks for taking some time tonight. We're all kind of delirious because we've all been hunting all day. Yeah, I'm more out. I appreciate y'all having me on. Yeah, running on three hours of sleep. So, yeah, Zach, we, we do appreciate it, man. Again, congratulations on that buck. Uh, if you don't mind, we'll, we'll definitely want to use one of those photos from that deer for a thumbnail because I think it's just going to be phenomenal, Heck man. yeah, dude. Uh, but fine. Whatever Well, for sure. And we'll touch base with you later. We'll, I know we all need to hit the hay because uh, we're worn out, which is going to be a late night anyways. we got to do some video editing. But, brother, once again, we appreciate it. Congratulations on the deer, man. And uh, I hope you have a great rest of your season, brother. All right. Y'all too. I appreciate it. We'll see y'all. All right. See you. Look, last summer, y'all heard us talk a bunch about the Mobile Hunters Expo. It was an incredible event. A bunch of you guys came out to meet us. We got to talk to, I don't even know how many listeners. If you heard all that last year and you were like, dang, that sounded cool, I should have went to that. Here's your chance. You need to make it to this one. It's June 28th through June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. All right, giving you a heads up here, so go ahead and mark it on your calendar. June 28th through June 30th, Dalton, Georgia is going to be the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. We're going to be there. A bunch of our past podcast guests are going to be there. There's going to be seminars. All of the mobile hunting companies are going to be there for you to try out gear before you buy it. It's like the one event of the year where all of the the like the mobile hunter ecosystem just kind of congregates in one place. And Chris and Josh and the guys have done an absolutely phenomenal job putting this thing together over the last couple years. And it keeps getting better every year. So like I said, make sure you come see us. We're going to have a gigantic stack of free stickers to give away to every listener that stops by the booth. And we're going to have merch there to purchase. We're going to be recording podcasts, shooting videos, all kinds of stuff. So like I said, don't miss it. You can head on over to the mobilehuntersexpo.com to look at show schedules and dates and go ahead and grab your tickets. So y'all go check it out at the mobilehuntersexpo.com.